Good morning. Welcome to Connect. If you are visiting this morning, my name's Dave. I'm the lead pastor, and you've joined us at a great day because we are kicking off a brand new series. It's called Turn Down the Drama. So um, I'm going to start out by confessing something here. As a, as a teenager, I actually, um, unlike I'm sure any of your teenagers who I'm sure spend all their uh, uh, free time reading and working around the house, I spend a lot of time watching TV. Okay, growing up, spent a lot of time watching TV, so um, that's one confession. Uh, my second confession is going to kind of show how old I actually am, because these were the shows that I grew up watching, okay? I was watching shows like The A-Team, uh, Knight Rider, Chips. Does anyone remember Chips with John and Ponch? Yeah, some of you are like, oh yeah, I totally remember that. Charlie's Angels, right, that, right there, Charlie's Angels. I think I was in love with one of those three, so... Uh, yeah, I spent a long time watching these shows growing up, but there was one show in particular I remember distinctly watching. Uh, me and my sister and my parents, we would watch this every Sunday afternoon because in England, uh, we only had three TV stations, BBC One, BBC Two, and ITV growing up. Um, we didn't have a VCR. Uh, there was no such thing as DVRs. Uh, you couldn't binge watch on Netflix. So you just had to be there at three o'clock to watch the show. And when the commercials came on, you ran out quick to make a cup of tea. But other Otherwise, you were, you were there at that moment. Maybe some of you remember that, but I can remember on Sunday afternoons, me and my family, we would watch a show called Heart to Heart. Does anyone remember Heart to Heart? Or am I the, yeah, there's a few of you. All right. So, so Heart to Heart was this great show. Uh, it was this couple, Jonathan and Jennifer Hart, and uh, he was the CEO of Heart Industries. Some of you kids are like, this sounds really lame. It was amazing. Um, so they were, uh, he was the CEO of this, uh, this amazing company. He was a multimillionaire, and they would travel all over the country and travel all over the world. Um, but it just so happened that that wherever they went, they always found themselves in the middle of some sort of drama. Like suddenly they'd be on vacation and, and there would be some kind of huge drug smuggling operation that was going on. They were able to uncover it and get the bad guys arrested. Sometimes they were thwarting international crime rings all in one hour episodes. There would be a murder that would take place in the particular town they happened to be that week. And somehow they would be the ones who solved the murder. Now... I can remember watching this show, and I figured it out looking on uh, when this show was actually on TV. So I was probably somewhere between the ages of 10 and 12 years old. But I can vividly remember at that age thinking, this doesn't make sense. How are these people getting caught up in so much drama? I mean, Chips, I understand, they're police officers. You expect there to be some drama in their lives every week. Um, the A-Team, Charlie's Angels, you know, these guys are... But this was just this regular couple. It was just a husband and wife. They had a chauffeur called Max, I think, and a dog called Freeway. And yet everywhere they went, there was some kind of drama going on around them. And I remember watching this show thinking, that's just not real life. Stuff like that doesn't happen in real life. And maybe you, you've kind of thought that as well. There are other shows like that. Scooby-Doo does it. Like, how are you guys always discovering haunted places? Like, what is it? Like, everywhere you go, there's some mystery going on. Or Angela Lansbury, do you remember her? She was just this novelist, but somehow she was solving murders all over the place. And I would think, come on, drama like this following you every this just doesn't happen in real life. Or does it? Maybe some of you are here this morning going, actually, Dave, that's my life. 
every week, another drama. It's just drama. Now, I know you're probably not solving murders or uncovering smuggling operations, but you're like, it just seems that every week there's another drama unfolding in my life. It's like drama kind of follows me wherever I go. The school's calling again. Something's going on with your kids. Maybe your boss wants to talk to you. There's something about your performance or the way you treated a customer. It's almost like these bill collectors, they've got your number on speed dial. It's like, man, they're calling me all the time. Your friends are calling you. Hey, what do you mean? I saw you post that on Facebook. What are you trying to say? Or I heard you said this about me. It's like drama, drama everywhere. That's my life. And you're just sitting there thinking, I wish there was a way to turn down the drama. I wish I could discover a way, because let's be honest, nobody likes drama, right? Well, if only that were true. <laughs> because unfortunately, some of us, drama seems to follow us around, but there are others. It's like, hey, I'm a drama creator. <laughs> it just seems to be that the, you're the instigator. You're the one that, that starts the drama. You may know someone like this. We, we, we call them pot starers. They just love to kind of get in there and, and create a little bit of drama. And, and there was a day where, where people like that, you know, they could, they could cause some drama face-to-face with you, maybe over a phone call. Uh, maybe there'd be a group of you together at a meal or a party, and, and they could say something and kind of stir up some drama. But then recently, in the last few years, something happened. And those pot stirrers, stirrers worlds just broke wide open. It was like pouring gasoline on a fire. Something called Facebook began. And they were like, yes, now I can stir the pot. I can create drama on a much larger scale. Drama. And now it's not just one or two people that are affected. It's hundreds of people. And people comment and, and reply. And before you know it, the drama's growing. And I just, I read a post recently, real post. Someone was uh, talking on the Facebook site that they'd got a donut from Dunkin' Donuts here in Washington. And there weren't enough sprinkles on it. Drama! Huge local drama. I mean, this had like dozens. I think it was like 70 or 80 comments. Like, well, I like sprinkles. I don't like sprinkles. I think they should put more sprinkles on. Seriously, people, these are sprinkles on donuts. But there are people that just love the drama. Well, this morning, whether you're an instigator, whether you're the recipient, in this series over the next four four weeks, four years, we probably could spend four years on this subject, but we're going to try and get it in four weeks. Over the next four weeks, we are going to look at some ways to turn down the drama in our lives. I think we're going to ultimately discover that, that by doing so, your soul Your heart, your emotions, they'll be so much healthier. Because I don't think that it was God's plan for us to live drama-filled lives. So over these next few weeks, we're going to look at what he has to say about getting rid of the drama in our lives. Because I think there is a lot that we can learn As we read the Bible and and we understand what some of these people that wrote letters and and books of the Bible had to say, we'll see that there are ways to deal with the drama in our lives. So we're going to start this morning and we're going to tackle one of the biggest elements, one of the biggest elements that you'll find at the center of most drama. And that is one word and that word is pride. 
Pride. We are going to take on pride head first this morning. Some of you are going to kind of wince in your seats as we talk about this because the enemy of pride, the way to conquer pride is to, is to look to pursue something in our lives called humility. Humility. This is the way to defeat pride is to strive to live for what we call humility. And that's difficult. We're going to find out that this word isn't the most popular word in today's society. It's not a word that the people are striving to achieve and accomplish every day in their lives. But we're going to talk about this idea of humility and how humility can really take down the drama in our lives. So we're going to kick off by, by looking at this idea of humility, and we're going to read together from a letter that a guy by the name of Paul wrote to a church, so a group of followers of Jesus, much like ourselves. Uh, he was writing to this group of um, Jesus followers in a city called Philippi, and this letter was called Philippians, and it's Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. We're going to read this together. Now... Um, some of you may be familiar with this particular passage as I start to read it. You may recognize it. But I've actually chosen this morning to read from a, a particular translation called The Message. Now, this guy who uh, kind of put the, the Message Bible together, what he did was he took um, the Message, he took the Bible, and he kind of wrote it in a real common English, you know, in a, in a very uh, conversational way so that as we read this, we can kind of feel like, man, I get this. This is exactly how I would say this if I was saying this today. So listen to the way uh, the writer explains. This Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5 in the message version. He says, if you've gotten anything at all out of following Christ, if you're, if you're, he's writing here to the followers of Jesus in Philippi, if you've gotten anything out of following Christ, if his love has made any difference in your life, if being in a community of the Spirit means anything to you, if you have a heart, if you care, then do me a favor. Agree with each other. Love each other. Be deep-spirited friends. Don't push your way to the front. Don't sweet-talk your way to the top. Put yourself aside and help others get ahead. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. Because as Paul's saying this, he knows this is very counter-cultural advice. In fact, as I'm reading it, some of you this morning may be listening thinking, oh, that's hard. And Paul's saying, hey, I know that's hard. But we've got an example of someone who lived this way. His name was Jesus, and he lived life this way. If there was ever anyone who deserved to be full of pride, it was the Son of God himself. And yet, he chose to live with humility. As we read this, I think probably uh, 2,000 years later, we react the same way Paul's original audience did with a kind of a, man, that's tough. That's difficult. That kind of goes in the face of what the world around us teaches us. In fact, these passages seem to be kind of contrary to what um, our human nature naturally wants to do. Now, don't get me wrong. Paul's not saying here that it's wrong to do your best. He's not saying that we shouldn't strive to be the best that we can be. But what he is saying is that when we fill our world with the bigness of our head... 
and our own legends, we, we have a problem. Now, maybe you're here this morning, you're visiting, maybe you've been coming for a short while, and you're not a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're kind of still checking this out, you're exploring, you're interested, but you're not sure if you're ready to take that step of faith yet. So, so you may be here thinking, oh, I'm not sure about that. Uh, you know, that's, that sounds a little challenging. I'm not sure if I want to do that. Well, that's fine. This morning, you know, you can kind of take it or leave it, that, that passage. But if you are here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus, Paul's not saying, hey, hey, listen, here's something you could try. Let me, let me write some words down here, and if you fancy giving it a try, you can see how it works out for you. No, Paul's writing to some followers of Jesus saying, listen, if you love Jesus, if you care about being a part of the, the church, if, you, if this is who you are, then this is how you should live. This isn't up for grabs. This isn't just something, hey, try it, see if you like it. This is how you should live. This is the life that Jesus modeled for us. So we have to strive to try and live that life modeled by Jesus. We're going to have to try and put that pride in our life to death because the truth is, it's the source of way too much drama. But what makes it hard, what makes it so hard is when the society we live in is so full of pride, so full of, of ego, as I was preparing my message, there's a, there's a song in the charts right now, and um, my kids love it when I sing along to this song. They think I'm so cool. But uh, the, the chorus says, if I was you, I'd want to be you too. Be me too. If, you see, I can't even sing it. If I was you, I'd want to be me too. That's the, that's the catch line of the song. This, this recording artist, she sings about how wonderful her life is and how she gets to do all these things. And, and the chorus is, hey, if I was you, I'd want to be me too. I'm like, man, that's, that's very egotistical. That's quite full of pride. And we don't just see it in the music world, do we? We see it in, in every life, in sports especially. Who remembers this video here? Check out this video from last year. Do you feel a lot less pressure this finals run just because you are undermanned and you had some injuries uh, as opposed to previous years? Nah. nah I feel confident because I'm the best player in the world. That's simple. That's simple. I'm the best player. <laughs> when I get up to preach, I'm like, hey, I'm the best preacher in the world. <laughs> I mean, he's just like, that's what he says. He's like, yeah, I got this. Now, it probably doesn't help that last week his team did win the championships, and now he's like, see, I, I'm the best player in the world. The tough thing is that, uh, sadly, in this particular speech, at the same time, uh, if you've got any hockey fans out here this morning, the Blackhawks were also playing, so I think they won the Stanley Cup. Is that right, Todd, last year? They did, okay? And um, I'm glad Todd's here because their captain, Tuis, Toves, okay, Toves, thank you. Um, their captain, Toves. I saw this really interesting like, picture last year. Maybe you saw this. If we can throw that up, there it is. So, so in Tove's interview, he talked about we. He talked about the team like 14, 15 times. And they compared it to LeBron in his interview, said the word I 15 times. And just that comparison, you know, and, and, and LeBron gets this kind of bad rap. But the truth is that we see this all around us, don't we? This huge pride, these egos. And it's tough to strive for humility in our lives where all this is modeled. And it's not just that it's modeled around us. 
I talked to a friend of mine this week, just this week, I knew I was preaching about this, so we were chatting about the situation, and he works for a small company here in town, and they make tractors and earth-moving machines, and uh, he was saying that he'd had a really tough day at work. I said, why is that? He goes, well, I'm a leader in this area, and I had to kind of report to some of the leaders above me, and they just kind of were just really working hard and giving me a hard time. He goes, and it's just so difficult because I left there, and these guys are so full of pride, and their egos are so big. He said, it's just really hard for me because he said, I'm trying to lead like Jesus. I'm trying to lead out of humility and out of, but it just seems that I'm working in this environment where, where the people with the largest egos, the people that are, they're the ones that advance. It's almost like that's rewarded. And this is the, the culture that we're a part of where we see it modeled on, on TV, where we see it in magazines and we see sports stars and musicians and we also see it in our workplace and, and people are rewarded for this. And yet Jesus is challenging us to die to pride and to, to live this life of humility. So this week I want to challenge you a little bit. I want to kind of help you identify what pride may look like in your life so that you can identify those areas that you may not have realized were pride, but actually that is pride kind of creeping in and say, okay, I want to, I want to try and remove that a little bit. And then at the end, we're going to talk about some ways that you can develop more humility. So we're going to identify pride, and then we're going to try and develop humility. So in order to do this, we're going to uh, uh, get the assistance of a book here called The Life You've Always Wanted. It's a book by John Ortberg. And in this book, there's a whole chapter where he talks about pride. And, and he identifies pride. He said there are three forms of pride that we see most often in our lives. They are this. They are vanity, stubbornness, and exclusion. These are three areas that pride kind of manifests itself in our lives. So what does pride in the form of vanity look like? If only there was some kind of scientific method we could use this morning to determine whether or not we have this vanity, and if we do, how much of it we have. You know, like how uh, people who are, are diabetic, they can do that kind of test to determine their insulin levels. A doctor can, can, can put that sleeve on you and tell you what your blood pressure is. Imagine if there was a, a way of determining just how much vanity there was in our lives. Well, you're going to be pleased to know that I have discovered a way. I've come up with a scientific formula to determine just the vanity level in your life. It's, it's quite simple. It's a simple formula that I came up with myself. So uh, you'll feel free to write this down if you need to do these calculations later. It's the number of photos on your Instagram feed divided by... The numbers of selfies on your Instagram feed, okay? And then times that amount by how many times you open Instagram to see if anyone's liked the picture since the last time you looked at it, okay? That's it, simple, whatever number you come up with. If that's in the hundreds and above, you're in trouble. Vanity may be an issue in your life. In fact, I actually titled this week's message, Me, My Selfie, and I. Because vanity is a form of pride. Check out this video. And while there, maybe they'll tweet us their fan photo, BB. Now's the time, fans. Uh, get on the uh, Twitter with a hashtag of the whole thing, AZDataStrongFan. Then you might see your fan photo at a Diamondback TV broadcast brought to you by T-Mobile. <laughs> I mean, look, look at the one on the right. Do you have to with, make faces when you take selfies? Wait, one more now. Oh, there you go. Better angle. 
Oh, check it. Did that come out okay? That's the best one of the 300 pictures I've taken look, of myself look, today. Every girl in the picture is locked into her phone. Oh, Lord. Every single one is dialed in. Welcome to parenting in 2015. <laughs> They're all just completely transfixed by the technology. David Peralta. <laughs> oh, hold on. I'd take a selfie with the hot dog. Selfie with the churro. Selfie just of a selfie. I can't even get my phone to take pictures. <laughs> Took a picture of your thumb last week. That was good. <laughs> Here's my first bite of the churro. Here's my second bite of the churro. You know, the beauty of baseball is you can sit next to your neighbor and have a conversation. Or you can just completely ignore them. Peralta knocks it into center. David tonight, two for two, a leadoff single here in the fourth. And nobody noticed. <laughs> help us, please. Somebody help us. Yeah. <laughs> but now those commentators were fantastic. They did a very good job of commentating not just the game, but the activity. I feel bad for those poor girls. But... But man, what a crazy world we live in, right? Where we're, we're, we're caught up so much in this, this kind of selfie situation. It's, it's that, 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 that vanity, and, and, and if we're not careful, it can manifest itself in pride. We can get caught up in that. We can get caught up with how many likes we got, how many, and suddenly it's fueling that, that eye inside of us. You know, Wartburg in his book, he says that another manifestation of pride isn't just vanity, but it's stubbornness. Stubbornness, he says, is the pride that causes us to shun correction. We just can't ever stop defending ourselves. When someone points out an error or a flaw, we tend to evade or deny or, or even just blame someone else. That's another manifestation of pride in our lives. And then the third one I thought was fascinating, and, and maybe you can relate to this, maybe you know someone like this. The third way that that pride can cause issues in their life is through something called exclusion. And here's what he meant when he said exclusion. Exclusion, he said at the deepest level, pride is the choice to exclude both God and other people from the rightful place in our hearts. The ultimate form of pride is saying, God, I don't want you in that area of my life. Or maybe that friend, I don't want to listen to what you've got to say about that. I'm going to exclude you from that. Pride says that um, I may be aware of some of the drama in my world. I may be aware of some of the problems I've got, but I've got this. I, I can figure this out. I, I can deal with this. I am capable of handling this all by myself, thank you very much. I am the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. I, I, it's, it's pride. Exclusion is saying, I don't need your help. I don't want you in that area of my life. It, God, I can do this without you. That's another form of pride. Pride can be very dangerous, especially in that area of exclusion, because we start to build walls, don't we, between um, ourselves and others, ourselves and God. And if we're not careful, pride can destroy our capacity to love. Pride will destroy our capacity to love and even to be loved because of that exclusion that we've created. So John Altberg in his book, he says, we have to recklessly pursue humility. 
We have to strive for humility in our lives. We have to, to seek out God's help, saying, God, how can I live this life of humility? You see, Jesus was humble. He was willing to give up his rights as the Son of God in order to obey God and serve people. So in just the same way, following Jesus' example, we should have a servant's attitude. We should serve one another out of love for God and for others, not out of guilt or fear. Humility is the freedom to stop trying to be what we're not or pretending to be what we're not. And it's just accepting our appropriate smallness. Because pride will puff us up sometimes and try and take us to places that we really don't need to be. And here's the thing. Humility, don't get me wrong here this morning. Humility is not about convincing ourselves or others that we're incompetent or we're not really any good or we're unattractive. It's not about beating ourselves up or, or trying to make ourselves nothing. Humility is this idea of submitted willingness. It's this idea of a, a healthy sense of self-forgetfulness. Kind of die into the, the I in our lives and, and not focusing everything on us. In fact, the greatest example, I think, or the greatest definition of humility is to passionately consider others better than yourself. To passionately consider others better than yourself. And there are practical ways that we can develop humility in our lives. There are some things that we can do that will build humility. It'll change our relationships with the people we work with. It'll change our relationships with our spouses, with our friends, with our family. An author by the name of Richard Foster, he put it this way. He said, more than any other single way, the grace of humility has worked into our lives through the discipline of service. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. He says the flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. Because it's always straining and pulling for honor and recognition. That's pride. Pride saying, hey, I want the honor. I want the recognition. Humility says it's about serving. And even if necessary, serving in hiddenness. Serving will keep us humble. So how do we do that? Now, some of you are like, here we go. We know what you're going to say, Dave. <laughs> Show up at Connect Kids. You could change some diapers. You could set out some chairs. Obviously, there is a great uh, venue here in which you can serve, and I would encourage that. But this morning, I want to go a step further because some of you think, well, I came for an hour on a Sunday morning. I did this, so I'm serving. But actually, it's more than just an hour here and there. It's a lifestyle choice. It's choosing to live a life of service, to change the way you look at the world you live in. So I'm going to give you four um, real practical ways here you can live out this life of service. The first is what I'm going to call in the ministry of the mundane. The ministry of the mundane. Man, if you want humility to grow in your life, if you want to die to that pride, if you want to start to dissolve some of that drama, look for opportunities for the ministry of the mundane. Here's what I mean by that. So if you're looking up here right now, some of you can see there's a curtain around this stage right now. It's a black curtain. It's kind of Velcroed there to some clips. Every Sunday morning, someone on our setup team puts this curtain here. 
I'm not completely sure that I know who puts this curtain here. Some weeks I'll be there, it's not there, and I'll come back a few minutes later, and it's there. Someone is doing this. Now, when it comes to areas of serving here at Connect Church, this isn't the sexiest job of them all. <laughs> Setting up this curtain around the stage every week. This, there's very few people know who does this. Throughout the week, on Tuesday mornings, we have some wonderful ladies, about four or five or six ladies who come into the office. They're called our bin buddies. They come in, and uh, right now, Connect Kids is going on. All the supplies, all the crafts that we're using this morning will make their way back to the office today, and the bin buddies will come in on Tuesday. They'll take everything out. They'll get supplies ready for, for next week's crafts and activities. They'll cut some things out. They'll make sure that everything's there. They'll load them back up. And then on Sunday morning when your kids, when the volunteers arrive, they open these boxes and everything's ready to go. Now, some of you have no idea. Most of you have no idea who these ladies are. They're our bin buddies. And I happen to think that whoever it is who puts this on and those bin buddies, they're rock stars. Because they're serving, and, and they're serving in such a great way. But in the ministry of the Monday, there's very few people who know what these people are doing. They're not serving out in the open where everyone can see. That's the kind of thing that develops humility in our lives. Where we're serving, and, and we're not worried about whether or not someone else notices. I know you husbands and you wives, this never happens with you, but I find myself sometimes around the house and I'll see something that needs doing and maybe it's something that Casey would normally do and she's not there at that moment. I think, I'll do that for her. And, but as I'm doing it, I'm like, ah, you know, I'm a little worried that she may not notice I've done this. <laughs> maybe I should just, hey, did you notice I, did you, did you see just what's the, yeah, I, I did that. <laughs> You know, I, I, and I know none of you do this because you're amazing people, every one of you, but, but there's that idea like, well, does it count if I do this and no one knows I did it? <laughs> yes, <laughs> it still counts because that's true service. That's the ministry of the mundane, and that'll develop humility in your life. Here's another one. I call this the ministry of being interrupted. This is huge. This is a great way to break down pride in your life and develop humility. Because I know, I've, I've met most of you here this morning, you're all incredibly important people. You just have these you know, amazing lives and careers. You know? so, so sometimes is that saying, listen, I'm very busy. I've got a lot of stuff to do, but I'm going to pause right now. I'm going to spend some time playing with my kids. I'm going to close the laptop and I'm going to spend some time connecting with my wife and, and catch up on my day. I'm going to meet that person for lunch and I'm actually going to silence my cell phone so that as I'm talking to them, I'm not constantly checking messages and, and responding. The ministry of, of being interrupted is saying, listen, right now, I think you are really important and I'm, really, I'm willing to close down all distractions to give you the time that you deserve. That's true humility. That's saying, I actually think right now you're more important than I am. And I'm going to push everything away that would kind of build me up, that would create a sense of importance in my life and focus just on you. How about this? The ministry of holding your tongue. I really don't need to say much more about this, but... Uh, I will say that maybe the world doesn't need to hear every thought you have. If we're talking about drama, there's a huge source right there. Dietrich Bonhoeffer once said, Often we combat our evil thoughts most effectively if we absolutely refuse to allow them to be expressed in words. He's saying, hey, listen, 
there's a lot of stuff's going to go on up here, but as long as it stays up there, you can avoid a lot of drama. As soon as it comes out in words, that's when the, the drama can begin. So it's that idea of holding our tongue, of being willing to listen to someone and sit there and let them speak to you. And again, it's, it's practicing humility of saying, I think your opinion is important and I want to hear what you've got to say. I want to hear your story. I'm not sure I agree with, with your view there, but I'd love to hear how you came to that. I'd love to hear, rather than start pounding my view down your throat, in humility, I'd like to hear your story. How did you come to that position? How did you land on that opinion? Tell me your story. That's the ministry of holding your tongue. And then the last one is the ministry of bearing. Bearing those around us. Spending time and, and realizing that, you know, when it comes to bearing, there are some that maybe we don't see eye to eye with. They rub us up the wrong way. They criticize us. But saying, you know what? I believe that God can still teach me something through you. So rather than treating you like an enemy and rather I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to humble myself and try and listen to what you've got to say. Learning to hear God speak to you through that person. So here's what we're going to do to wrap up this morning. I want you to pause just for a second here. Because we're talking about turning down the drum. We're talking about pride and humility. I want you to, and if you want, you can close your eyes. I want you to think of someone right now who, who when you think of this person, they have a huge pride issue. They've got an ego the size of a bus. Now, this could be a celebrity. It could be a politician. There's, there's plenty to choose from. It could be someone in your life. But I just want you to picture someone right now that when you think of pride and ego, that's the, the person you think of. Okay, you got that person? All right. Don't forget that person. Now I want you to think of Mother Teresa. You guys remember Mother Teresa? Uh, she worked in the slums of Calcutta. She lived her life to serve others to help the poorest and the most broken people in the world, the ones that no one else cared about. So now think of those two people. Think of Mother Teresa and think about that first person you thought of. And do this. Think of drama. When you think of drama, which of those two do you associate drama with the most? Yeah. Like already you're thinking of three or four dramas that have surrounded this individual. When I think of Mother Teresa, I have to really try hard to think of some drama. She doesn't strike me as somebody that, that, that created drama because she lived this life of humility. So let's work this week in our lives on losing some of that pride. Let's see if we together can try and gain some humility. And let's acknowledge as well together that we can't do this alone. That there is someone that wants to help us. And even if you're not a follower of Jesus this morning, he would still love to hear from you. You can, you can talk to him, Jesus, I want to understand more what it's like to live in humility. I'm fed up with the drama. He would love to be a part of your life. He would love to help you because he not only taught about humility, he lived it out. The one man who probably deserved, um, who's ever lived to stand with pride and say, I am the greatest, chose instead to live in humility. It's hard for us. Pride comes naturally. Every human being who has ever lived has suffered from a Messiah complex, except one. And he was the Messiah. Let's pray. 
Father, many of us could tell story after story about the drama in our lives, and, and over these next few weeks, we're going to tackle this from various different angles, but man, this is one big area, Lord, that I feel like if we could strive in our lives to say, God, help us to dial down the pride, help us to work to, to build that humility in our lives, to consider others better than ourselves. Lord, we can't do this alone. We need your help, Jesus. But we thank you that this isn't something theoretical you want to help us with. This is something you modeled in your life. We could just follow your example. So give us the strength and the power this week to live our lives in humility. That others may see you shine through us as we choose, instead of going the way of the world and living in pride, to go the way of the cross and living in humility. Help us to have a great week this week in Jesus' name. Amen.